Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varun, your host and moderator, joined, as always, by three of my good friends and the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Gentlemen, how's your new year going so far? We're off-season champs, baby. 2021. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, we're going to start things off with football as the NFC East champ Washington football team took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in a thrilling contest, but unfortunately the Washington football team has been eliminated from playoff contention as the Bucs beat the Washington football team 31-23. to Very, very unfortunate, but in a sense there is, uh, there is optimism coming out of this game, uh, particularly in the form of one Taylor Heineke who was the starter over Alex Smith after his calf could not let him perform in the game on Saturday. Um, but Heineke did perform well, 26 or 44 for 306 yards, a touchdown and a pick, although the pick, I would say, wasn't really his fault. Um, but very co- but very comparable stats compared to the Buccaneers quarterback, one Tom Brady. So ultimately... Things look good for Heineke, and he also had a rushing touchdown on top of that. Uh, but want to get your thoughts to start things off. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Your thoughts on Taylor Heineke uh, in the game on Saturday? Yeah, you know, just to keep it on this game in particular, I thought he played really well. It was probably the best quarterback performance uh, for the entire season, uh, just to be honest. You know, made a lot of good throws. Uh that insane touchdown run where he ducks like three pass rushers and then runs to the corner and scores. It was an awesome play. Um, he believe, I believe he uh, separated his shoulder like in the early fourth quarter. So he basically played the whole fourth quarter with a separated shoulder, or I think they went and popped it back in or something. Uh, you know, and he had that crazy touchdown pass to Steven Sims after the fact. So, you know, it was a gutty performance. We didn't win or we didn't lose this game because of our offense, which is not what I would have expected. I would have expected 23 points. We'd have a pretty solid shot to win the game. But, um, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. I think that uh, there's still a lot of pieces on offense that we need. I think there's some improvements to the defense that we'll need to make. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, see what's, we'll see what's up this offseason. Rahul, the other extremely passionate Washington football team fan, want to get your thoughts on Taylor Heineke's performance in this game. Yeah, it was uh, an uncharacteristic defensive collapse, uh, really bevied by the offense, kind of like uh, Alex Smith against the Lions, where they're kind of dealing for a sec. Heineke, with his touchdown run, had us getting hope again, and it just wasn't meant to be kind of... Failed in the last moments, got sacked. He did fumble it, and it was kind of a wrap for him. The defense really let him down, and we were all talking about how this defense would be the one thing that could get to Brady. You have some one not really great tackle, and then Werfs, who's really who's playing lights out as a rookie, and you were hoping that maybe Chase Young could produce against that, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Heineke, uh, he did the best with the cards. He was dealt it's just he really needs better receivers um to play with him in a healthy uh terry mclaurin cam sims actually had a over 100 yards this game but he also had some pretty major drops 
Uh, so I want to bounce a... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying we need we need a better slot receiver option. We need another tight end. We need to be able to like give our quarterbacks some options that they just don't have right now. Um, and hopefully we can do that this offseason. Yeah. I wanted to ask you real quick uh, to take Varun's spot. Uh, a lot of people are talking about, you know, this is a good performance for Heineke and he should be considered uh, in the conversation for starting quarterback next year. What do you think about that? I think you can you can sign him to a one-year deal because I think other teams are just as hesitant as we are um, on trying to give him more than a one-year deal. So that can definitely get done, and he can compete in camp. Uh, it'll probably be him, Kyle Allen. I don't think it'll be Alex Smith, honestly. I think Alex Smith is going to hang it up. Um, and yeah, maybe even a, a rookie quarterback that we're able to select. And I think out of all of them, he has the best chance of winning. But the problem is every game Ike has been in for us this year, he's had an injury. Like he's maybe just not that durable enough to be a quarterback, uh, for a full season, in the NFL, we'll probably see either Kyle Allen or that rookie quarterback or even a free agent quarterback. But I don't think we're going that way, uh, step in. So yeah, I think this was a really good showing, and it helped boost his career a lot. But I think he's going to have another year in Washington to really show teams what he's got before he gets any offers or really any big opportunities to keep the job uh, at a long ter- at a long term rate. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Uh, it's just, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And he's probably the more most mobile quarterback that we have between Kyle Allen, definitely Alex Smith, and without question, Haskins. Maybe not Steven Montez. Maybe Steven Montez can hurdle dudes or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, anything to add? I mean, like, it's it's going to be different. Like, I think you still go after some other guy eventually, whether it's the draft or through a trade or through free agency. I don't think going into it with just Heineke as your probably starter or Kyle Allen as your starters is the best way to go. Kind of as Rahul already said. Um, he did. He was extremely well. I don't think did ex- extremely well. I don't think you could have asked much more from him during that game. Um, as Nick also kind of already touched on. Other than that, yeah. Do you think the I, Bucks defense watched ODU tape? Because there's really no Heineke tape. There's that. Uh, they watched. They watched. They watched XFL tape, bro. XFL. I don't well, even think he played it down be, in the XFL. I think he was a backup. Yeah. Know? That would be like the one big concern is like, it's kind of like you know, you just burst onto the scene. You have a good couple of games, and then teams actually know what your quirks are. Um, this is especially true in like the MLB when like. We saw with Luis Garcia who had a good like first week or so, and then you know the analytics kind of catch up to you. Might be the same way for Heineke. Teams might start to see what he's good at, what he's bad at. Yeah, might start bearing down as the season goes on. Not even looking at injuries, just teams are going to understand how to defend him better. 
That's a good point, because you could see one of those quirks actually watching this game. Whenever Heineke was about to get sacked or about to get pressured, uh, he would like kind of duck down and tuck the ball, um, kind of like Carson Wentz does. And Carson Wentz got killed doing that this year. Heineke has to have some other moves up his arsenal for dealing with pressure or being able to call protections to slide, because he hasn't been able to... Do, he, Granted, he's only had a few games, um, yeah. but he didn't do that against the Bucs. So. I mean, on the flip side, like when you're taking snaps with the, the starting team every week, or, or at least the second string team every week, you can't work on some of those things. So he could like improve his game that way. But as of right now, it's a worrisome choice. I do think they still... I think he should at least be on the team. Um, it's. I think it'd be pretty hard to turn away from a guy who did that well in a playoff game. But I think you still got to try and get somebody else that will be your actual starter. Yeah, I figured we could keep him for a year, but I'm not really sure what the contract terms of that would be. I can't imagine. I think it'd be cheap. That expensive, yeah. It would be yeah. like, I don't think it'd every be anything more than what he made. Thinking, yeah, every single team is going to be thinking the same thing. Of like, yeah, sure, he had one game, one and a half games that were really good. Um, but, you know, that's not a very <laughs> long track record. Um, um, nobody's going to dish out a boatload of money nah. or even a middle amount of money for a guy that could be garbage. Happening. Bears might try and get him just because <laughs> they don't have any quarterbacks. Nicole. I don't think – I'll be honest with you, Heineke – like super gutty performance and he's like a I I'm a fan of him forever regardless of what happens. Oh yeah. But kind of like Michael I don't think he's yeah, I don't think he's I don't honestly think he's even a factor in the QB competition next year. I think it's going to be Kyle Allen versus a draft pick or it'll be somebody like Matt Ryan being traded here and he's probably the ultimate starter if you would do something like that. If you're trading for Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's yeah. But the um, only thing is, is Matt Ryan. Ryan's contract is rough. <laughs> like to take on. It's probably not Matt Ryan in particular, but well, I just don't think Heineke's even in the conversation. A lot of that contract goes to the Falcons. That's why a lot of people don't think he's going to get traded because they they're going to take a huge hit trading him away. That was that was actually a question I wanted to bring up with you all when it comes to uh, the outlook for a quarterback in this offseason. So the. Washington football team picks at, I believe, 19? Yep. yep. Okay, so 19th pick overall in the first round. So that option is there. You go for a quarterback if he's available. My guess is one of the big names. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is not going to be available. Neither is Trey Lance. Probably. Trey Lance might be. Actually, I, Trey Lance is the I best. I think he will be yeah, okay. available, but not at 19. You'd have to go to 15. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So let's. All right. So let's just say, for the sake of this, we have. So you think he'll be? So some of the some of the best QBs in this draft, the guys like Trevor Lawrence, guys like Trey Lance, guys like Justin Fields, they're probably not going Zach to. Wilson. Zach Wilson as well. They may or may not be available. Let's just say hypothetically, all of those quarterbacks are off the board. Yep. So. Do you still try to slug it out and find another QB? Would you go for a more position player, like another, like a wide receiver, or going for someone on defense? Uh, not that the Washington Football Team defense needs a ton of help, but you know, having a couple guys like in the linebacker position would be a service to them. Or do you, you know, utilize the draft pick, like I said, to continue to get a position player, or you 
and you run out in free agency to grab uh, a Matt Ryan or a Deshaun Watson? I'll give you three. I'll give you three answers for what you do at nineteen when there's no court. When one of the four, all four of the the top four quarterbacks are off the board, I don't want Mac Jones at nineteen. I'm either going with the best wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, or Najee Harris. I'm going for a playmaker go that's going to make a difference on offense. Yes, I would go Najee Harris if he was there. Yeah, I'm you not have like a pretty solid. Uh, it's not enough. I want two running backs. <laughs> yeah, I, go, or if uh, you think Jalen Waddle is going to fall all the way down there, no, maybe because that's but the I'm, other one that I was kind of thinking of the other day. He might be there, but I don't. I don't know if I. If I had the option to take Waddle or to take Harris, I think I would take Harris. I think I disagree. I think like because you have at least you have a, at least an okay running back room with McKissick and uh, Gibson. Imagine running, you basically got one wide receiver right now. I don't. Right, like, McLaurin's your number one. Your bona fide number one. I don't think anybody else has stepped up enough this year to be number two. No, I agree with that for sure. I don't really I get why to be the number two for them. Get why uh, Waddle played that bowl game. To be honest with you, like Apparently, he might have just injured himself even worse and tanked his draft. Apparently, the, he wouldn't take no as an answer. So, 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 so. Okay, so okay, so the top guys. Uh, Devonte Smith was trying to get back in that game yesterday or on Monday. Um, when he was injured, I, I don't remember what the injury was, but he was even trying to get back on that game. Uh, uh, sorry, before you move on, I think my take on what they do as Q, uh, QB is uh, keep Kyle Allen, tr- uh, try and get Heineke for like a year. And if they can't get one of those top four QBs at 19, I think you'd have to spend like a late draft pick. I'm not really sure what round he'd go in, but I try and uh, draft Jamie Newman and have him battle it out with the other two in camp. Very interesting, Jamie Newman. I don't, I don't know too much about him. Uh, I hate him. <laughs> oh, 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 yo, oh shit! We got ourselves a Wild West standoff here. I think. <laughs> He's like he has all the tools. The so the issue with him, right, is that he did transfer to Georgia um, from Wake Forest, and Wake Forest he had a pretty good season, I'd say. And in Georgia, he got he uh, took a COVID opt out, so we haven't really seen him for a few years. We don't really know what he's capable of, and he just went to the NFL. He's like, all right, I'm just gonna go to the NFL now, like with like one year of play. So it's like, what do we what do we really have out of Jamie Newman? We don't know, and his accuracy is kind of concerning too. So, well, the the reason I hate him is because I've seen him mock to us in the first round, which is just absurd, and in yeah, the second round, which is also absurd. I would, I don't even think Jamie Newman's going to be taken in the first like five rounds. I think he's going to be a late, late draft pick that someone's going to take a flyer on because there's just so much you don't really know with him. Uh, so. You know, so, I guess if if we have no other option and we're sitting in like the sixth round and he's available, then maybe I would consider it. But so, what about some other guys? We, you know, some other guys that are uh, names being talked about. Doubt that some of these guys are going to be available, but you have like Kyle Trask, you have Mac Jones, you have uh, Kellen Mond, you have Brock Purdy. 
these are some other names that are being tossed around in terms of like high value picks for Q. I like Kyle Trask is like a second round pick. Um, I think I that don't. he's under. I I think he's <laughs> underrated. I, you know, he comes. He he has absolutely no athleticism whatsoever. So I don't know if he's right for our offense in particular. But I think somebody like the Steelers. Um, I think he'd be a good second round pick for them. So, I think Steelers I, might just go. Uh, just uh, Mac Jones first round, get Roethlisberger, who's pretty much on crutches now. But uh, so yeah, those, that's talk we could talk about much later when we're actually getting closer to the draft. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's fair. I just wanted to see your all's thoughts on potentially, you know, foregoing a QB in the first round, picking up another guy and trying to get a guy in the uh, guy in free agency. But, you know, good thoughts all around. And this will, this conversation will definitely be picked up later on as we get closer to the draft. Oh, but right. <laughs> but uh, want to quickly go over the defense uh, at, in this game. As uh, Rahul mentioned, uh, very, very underwhelming and pretty disappointing, honestly. The Bucks' offensive line kept our our four big men at bay. Um, Chase Young didn't really do much. Um, Montez Sweat was able to get uh, some pressure and as well as a couple of sacks. So uh, he was... Deron Payne had a monster game, though. Yeah, I thought Deron Payne was awesome. Yeah, Duran 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 Payne it was was definitely the uh, was definitely the exception. Yeah, defense. yeah, yeah. He had he had what two solo tackles, two sacks, uh, two tackles for a loss, as well as three QB hits. I think he had um, like a. He had something called back due to penalty too. It may have been another sack or something. Yeah, he got a uh, he was held on like a uh, would be sack, and yeah. it really sucked. Like it was like it was pretty blatant, and the reps just swallowed the flag as oh, they yeah. do against Tom Brady. If oh, John if John Allen had showed up in the same way that Payne did, I think this could have been a different game because Tom Brady's weakness is internal pre- is inside pressure. It's the the, the Deron Payne and John Allen, and if Tim Settle had gotten some playing time, if those guys, I think, had stepped up a little bit more and gotten some more pressure, I think this may have been a closer game. But I think Brady did well against pressure, actually. Like this game, he really flashed he did. against pressure, like he normally does. Or like he normally plays, and then he goes like getting bull rush, and he just threw a dime to Mike Evans and left. Like, he played lights out against our. Yeah, as I was about to say, he was just looking at some of the breakdown with some of his receivers. He was really good at spreading the ball around when it comes to just overall receptions. Mike Evans had six receptions. Chris Godwin had five. Cameron Brait had four receptions. Antonio Brown had a couple of catches. Um, Leonard Fournette good for the dump off. Uh, like he was for about four receptions. Like he was. Brady was passing the ball around uh, quite a bit to all of his different receivers the entire night. Yeah, just Chase Young couldn't get home. It was kind of like there was some talk man, and it was kind he, of overflow. Man, he should not have called Tom Brady out. I feel like if he had just not said said anything and just went into the game, I feel like that wouldn't have jinxed him almost. I don't think it was a big deal that he said that, I, but I do think that – I do kind of think that you gave him some clipboard material and then you didn't show up in the way that we would have liked you to, but – at the same time, I'm not going to be mad at him because of what he is to our team, and he's going to be like so much better next year. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's a learning experience for him. I think he only gets better because of it. So he, yeah. he may not 
do that again. So yeah, with fair. Such a young team, it's good just to have this game under their belt of like they've been in the postseason. Now next yeah. year, hopefully, when they're a year older, you're better. Yeah, I was about to say he's going to get better for it, and, yeah. and the whole team's going to be better for it. I'd say. Yeah, like they've absolutely. already been there. They've already lost. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, of, I don't think like I think we were all like hopeful that the Washington football team was going to win that game, but I don't think any of us really had a real ex- expectation that they were going to win. Definite that underdogs going into yeah. this game. Like but, well, I think, well, I, th- I think the other thing going into this game is that nobody expected the Washington football team to, e- e- even if they were expecting them to lose, I don't think anyone expected them to only lose by eight as opposed to two or three possessions. Like they, they were close. They only lost by eight points. Like that's, that's a touchdown and two point. That's it. It's not, it's, it's not like they were down by some huge deficit the entire game. One of the interesting things about uh, Jerome Payne before we move off the defense was uh, why he was drafted so high was he stepped up in the uh, championship and uh, the playoffs championship game for Alabama. And like he had like this amazing pass rushing performances uh, that he never really had during the college season. And you kind of saw that this game too, uh, especially when the Buccaneers, I think Reichard went out. Drawn Payne just went ham on that Bucks O line, so it was kind of interesting to see what people really liked about him in college and why he was so highly regarded. Uh, actually, play out on the field, even though we're a few years past his draft, and like it makes you wonder, like, what are we going to do later in the off season with how we're going to manage contracts and stuff like that. It's definitely a good question to ask, and uh, it's uh, definitely a lot of optimism coming out of this game and a lot to look forward to when it comes to this Washington football team, especially with the fact that no coaches are getting fired. All of the coaches are going to be retained for next season, so thank goodness for that stability. Um, Riverboat Ron continuing his his reign as the Washington football team head coach. I mean, playoffs in your first year as a head coach for a new team, uh, not not too shabby. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, we have, we're retaining the same staff, Jack Del Rio on defense, Scott Turner on offense. We got Nate Kazer as well. Um, you know, do we expect anything drastically different, uh, from this coaching staff or do we expect, uh, you know, just, you know, tweaks and tweaks and, uh, slight modifications to their strategy? I think that, uh, this year was kind of the year that Jack Del Rio shined in terms of the coordinators and you know, the way that the defense turned it around so quickly, we were, what, the number two defense in the NFL. Um, Jack Del Rio probably should be a head coaching candidate, but I think that he's just not a very sexy pick. He's been a head coach a couple times. He's had some success in various places. I think he would be – I think he'd be a really good head coach for a team that had a lot of talent and was ready to win right away. But, you know, that off to the side, I'm glad he's back. I think next year is going to be the year for Scott Turner to take a step up. And we're going to really see what – we're going to see some moxie from him. I think we're going to have a better quarterback. I think we're going to fix a little bit of the weaponry around that quarterback. So next year, Scott Turner, I'm keeping my eye on you. I expect great things. Yeah, for sure. I think we're I think we're expecting good stuff out of the, uh, out of the Washington football team coaching staff. But uh, another – part of the team or rather part of the front office that has been neglected is the GM position. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to figuring out who the next GM of the Washington football team will be. Um, ESPN's John Keim or Keim. I'm not sure how you say his name. 
um, reported that Kyle Smith actually has a slim chance of getting promoted to, to GM. Um, and, you know, there's other play, there's other guys uh, involved uh, as per the athletic. They've linked a few candidates. Um, Titans VP of player personnel, Ryden Cowden. 49ers VP of player personnel, Martin Mayhew. Marty Herney, the ex-Panthers GM. Um, as well as Bill's assistant GM, Joe, uh, Joe Schoen. So, uh, a lot of options here. Uh, who do you, who would you go with if you're, if you're the decision maker? Rahul, we'll start with you. I think the decision maker in this scenario is both Ron Rivera and, uh, Dan Snyder. Um, trying to make the decision who would be there. I'm not sure what this bodes for Kyle Smith. Like if he's going to stay, stick on and stay in his role, or is he going to like try and leave and, uh, have a lateral move to some other team with the same role or even be a GM, but he hasn't really had that kind of interest. Um, out of the names that you selected or uh, that have been rumored, I think I would go with Ryan Coden of the Titans um, just because of how they've drafted. It, they've been more of a consistent drafting team, and this last draft, they kind of blew it uh, in terms of their first-round pick, Sia Wilson, who's had a lot going on um, off of the field, but they've had some solid picks, and they've been able to get value, and their free agencies have been usually uh, low-key and getting good uh, players that fit their team, so that's someone I would keep an eye on. Um, I think I would really not like to see Herney uh, try and get his uh, like his third chance now at GM. I'm just not a fan. We've seen this play out before with the Panthers. We've seen the mistakes he's made off and on the field. It's just not uh, who I would prefer. And it seems like more of a yes-man kind of role to Ron Rivera, uh, someone that Rivera... Uh, not like uh, Herney would throw Rivera under the bus, but someone who's more agreeable and he could just kind of like bounce ideas off of him. Sort of like uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, where like it's really Shanahan, Kyle, running the show. It's really Ron running the show, but I want something more like equal, if that makes more sense. And I think Rivera's kind of silence on Kyle Smith indicates that Kyle Smith is going to be the guy. It's not going to be the guy? is not going to be the guy. I don't yeah. think Kyle Smith is, uh, I don't think, I don't even think he'll stay honestly after the season. I think he's just probably gone. I think that, um, I think Kyle will be here at least another year in his current position, but assuming he's not the GM or assistant GM. Yeah. You know, he, he may leave for another position. The, the fact that, um, Externally, Kyle Smith doesn't have that much interest, and nobody's you know nobody's talking to him about anything. I I think that I'm not really surprised by that because we are just a seven and nine team, and we've been through a lot of shit. So I think it's kind of hard to get a grasp on what he is, and teams would rather just interview guys that are part of successful organizations. Um, you know, Kyle Smith could really be a good GM one day. I early in the season was in favor of him being elevated to GM. I've kind of changed my mind on that. I think we'd be better served going outside as long as it's the right guy. And I agree with Raul. I think it's Ryan Cowden from the Titans. Um, I think that you look at what the Titans have done the last few years. They've built like a really good team. Uh, and, you know, somebody that's 
and and he was a member of the Panthers before the Titans. And obviously the Panthers had a lot of success uh, when he was, I believe, the director of player personnel with the Panthers. So I think it's hard to I think it's hard to reject him as being a good hire. I think that would be a really good decision. I hate the fans that are saying that, oh, you know, we're gonna hire another guy from the Panthers. Uh, because what, because hiring all the Panthers guys didn't work out for us this year. Like I think the coaching staff did really well. Uh, Rod Rogers in the front office is the cap guy and you know, you can't really judge him this year. Um, but I don't have any concerns with him. Uh, you know, I, I think that Ryan Cowden is a pretty good candidate on his own accord. Uh, he interviewed for the chiefs GM position a couple years ago, so He's got some cred, and I think he'd be a good. I think he'd be a good hire. And if we lose Kyle Smith because of it, I don't think it's the end of the world. Good, good perspectives from both of you. Uh, yeah, well, ultimately, uh, we wish the best of luck to the Washington Football Team as we head into the off season. Um, tough loss, but you know what? Optimism all the way up from here, uh, and we look forward to seeing what developments come in the off season as we get closer to the draft. Okay, wrapping up football. Now we're going to go ahead and talk about some basketball. Uh, the Washington. Actually, Wiz- I want to. I want to interrupt you real quick, and I want to add one more name to the GM conversation. Is that okay? Sure. The Browns VP of Football Operations. You know who I'm talking about, Rahul? Yeah, but bro, it would have been really funny if you said no and then just moved on to the basketball. <laughs> I want to bring this, I want to bring this guy up because I think he's kind of intriguing. Kwasi Adolfo Mensa. He is the VP of Football Operations for the Browns. Originally, spent some time with the 49ers when they were in the Super Bowl. Um, he said he started out his career studying the teams that had success long term in the NFL, and he moved up really, really quickly. Uh, between the 49ers and the Browns. And considering this was his first year with the Browns and they had a lot of success, I think he's an interesting guy to look at too. I don't know if I'd make him a GM, but I think he might be an interesting assistant GM that would provide something a little different. He's not a personnel guy, but he's more of a, he's more of a, like a Jason Wright, but on the football side, he'd be somebody that would know how to build a good front office and how to hire the right people and delegate. So I think he's, I think he's an interesting guy to look out for too. All right. Good stuff. Now back to basketball. The Washington Wizards took on the Phoenix Suns on the 11th and uh, defeated them 128 to 107. This is significant one because the Phoenix Suns are the second ranked team in the West. Um, behind the Lakers, so very significant win against a very good f- basketball team, and also because this was a game where we performed extremely well, not having Russell Westbrook or Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant being, of course, out for the season due to a torn ACL, and Russell Westbrook also hurt. But overall, you know, you have to you have to be impressed with with some of these pieces. For example, Garrison Matthews, who, to be fair, I think is a product of a Scott Brooks not giving it enough chances. Um, in the limited minutes last season that he had, he shot forty two percent from the field, um, and nineteen of those twenty four shots that uh, Matthews did make were all threes. So he is a guy to look out for when it comes to draining threes. 
Um, another guy, Robin Lopez, uh, offensively uh, started to play really well um, with the loss of Thomas Bryant. So we saw uh, Lopez really step up in his role there. Um, Davis Breton, I mean, come on, man. Like, man, was just out there, bro, killing it. And then uh, Ish Smith also had uh, a, real, a good showcase of his speed uh, on the court. Um, but Rahul, I want to get to you since you are one of the more passionate people about Scott Brooks and uh, what, we're, what we want to do with him. Uh, I want to start off with one of these first hot takes we have here, which is that the Wizards play better defensively without Russell Westbrook and Thomas Bryant. What are your thoughts on that hot take? I think definitively you can say that without Bryant, they are playing better defensively, but I wouldn't yet go full throttle on West on saying that for Westbrook because he's just been so involved uh, hitting boards and stuff like that. It's just Westbrook has been really killing the team with his bricks. They've been really bad. So, like, I think it's interesting, right? Like, are we actually going to be a better defensive team with loss? Are we adding by subtraction like are are we seeing people who would not have gotten minutes before like garrison matthews really step up and emerge and start to play better and that's a question we have to see with more games and maybe this is kind of like holding off on the immediate uh dismissal of scott brooks i don't know like i'm asking for this like even mid-season just to fire him but if the team improves on defense like this and it continues to I go at this steady rate, like, why wouldn't you want to see more of that? And you would have to retain the coach for that to happen. So that's how I feel. I think, uh, to, I, I think Thomas Bryant honestly was always overrated and he's just kind of still young. Um, and he'll figure himself out, but he's just not, not really there. He doesn't really put his effort there defensively either. So Thomas Bryant TB. He's been having one of the better seasons on the team up until now. Maybe not defensively. Offensively, offensively, yes. But defensively, he's awful, as he's always been. Yeah. Well, Chris, want to get your thoughts on uh, this this win. Wizards beating the Suns, uh, looking real nice. Um, but, yeah, this also hot take. Wizards play better defensively without Russell Westbrook and Thomas Bryant. Want to get your thoughts on that one. The more the hate to the, I hate to say it, but the more Russell Westbrook is not on the court, the team plays better. <laughs> like straight up, the man is not helping the team win right now. He's got a he's still got a negative like plus minus deficiency, which is god awful for a guy that's supposed to be a superstar. So many bricks. Well, he is he is he is out right now with a quad injury, and he's going to be out for at least a week. He still uh, has the third most minutes played on the team. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Behind only Bradley Beal, obviously, and Davis Bertans, and well, third most actually, and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant so has more as well, which is ridiculous for a guy that's literally got negative deficiency right now. So he needs to step it up a lot. Especially, honestly, offensively. Do you think he's literally scoring less with him on the court versus off? Even though he's personally scoring a lot. Do you think we're overusing Bertans and he should be more of a guy off the bench rather than kind of a start no. thrusting and starting role? No, I think he's playing fine. I think he's doing as well as is to be expected. 
All right. Well, here's another hot take for you all. Regarding Scott Brooks and Tommy Shepard, where does the blame lie? Do you put the blame on Scott? Well, this isn't really a hot take, more so a question. Do you – who do you put the blame on when in regards to this 3-8 uh, and eight start? And who do you uh, – who do you can? Would you can Scott Brooks? Would you can Tommy Shepard? Would you not can him? Where would I, you go with that? I would can Scott Brooks first if this season doesn't – turn around more. Um, I mean, we're kind of turning around a bit. We were what? zero and five. Now we're three and eight. So, I mean, you know, three and three run. Um, I think what they're going to need to do now with Westbrook being out and the fact that we're starting to play a little bit better, I think we need to kind of go back to what we were doing last year. We're giving different guys opportunities to see what works. Um, that's kind of what we've been doing here the last couple games. And I think that's what they're going to have to continue to do. Um, Garrison Matthews kind of looks like a young Lance Armstrong. Side note, doesn't mean anything. I just thought I'd say it. Um, Thank you for the wonderful insight. Tommy Shepard is probably staking his career on this Russell Westbrook trade. He wasn't really on the hot seat until he traded away John Wall and a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook. So now Tommy Shepard is on the hot seat too, as far as I'm concerned, if this does not work out. All right. Good, good perspectives there. Do you guys have anything else? Do you agree with Nick? You want to push back on anything? Well, Brooks is deciding who gets the minutes, right? And so far, I feel like how he's dealt those have not been that great. So it's I still would put a lot of blame on him. But like, as I said earlier, like if this trend is, if you can keep on trending this way, even with losses, like at least we're putting up more of a balanced effort rather than like trying to outscore teams and our defense is giving up everything. Yeah, no, this is a yeah, good 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 perspective there. I think that I'm I'm in total agreement with you Rahul Brooks is not giving is not allocating the minutes very efficiently. Um he's relying on uh you know, he's relying on Westbrook and Bradley Beal due to the name and the value they bring um initially, but Considering that Beal's minutes are fine, yeah, yeah, no, no I think yeah, Beal's yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, have him. yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm, I'm not saying he should reduce Bradley Beal's minutes. Bradley Beal's been playing great. What I Russell like Russell Westbrook? Yeah, he should be getting those types of minutes. But until he shows that he can play well enough, he shouldn't be getting those minutes. I think I wanted Beal to originally have some less minutes, uh, but I think that was just due to him getting fatigued, like trying to outscore yeah. the defensive like lack of just the turnovers were awful. So, like with him, like with like this, this is fine. Beal's minutes are fine. I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, you know Bradley Beal has anything to shouldn't have anything to worry about given the some of the talent that's really stepping up on this team davis bertans danny danny avdia you know uh even garrison matthews who's apparently just really good at draining threes so you know you have the talent on this team you just have to utilize them um i think a more efficient strategy would be you know keeping russell you know keep russell westbrook in the starting lineup just as a you know for the sake of you don't want egos to implode but, you know, definitely hand out minutes more to 
these other guys. Uh, and, you know, guys like Garrison Matthews, guys like Robin Lopez. We need more. Well, I mean, now Robin Lopez. I would be careful with Robin Lopez, personally. Well, yeah. Well, then now with, well, now with Robin Lopez, he's going to take over for Thomas Bryant, if I'm, if I'm correct. He's going to get more minutes because of Thomas Bryant, but yeah. I still wouldn't try to have him out there too, too much. Well, if anything, guys like Garrison Matthews, guys like Davis Bertans, guys like Denny Abdia are natural – uh, natural replacements, not not necessarily replacements, but natural like options for Bradley Beal that just don't revolve around you know Russell Westbrook. So I'm not too worried about the Wizards at this point. I do think that there's some changes to be made and some changes to be discussed in regards to coaching, possibly in the off season. I don't know if you would fire Scott Brooks now. Um, nah, they're going to give him the whole season, I think. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to fire him. And plus, that. like I said, what, we're, what, 12 games into the season? Again, we still have probably another 10 or 15 games to go before we, you know, fully understand how, what what kind of Wizards team we're dealing with for the rest of the, sure. the, rest of the year. We're they already getting games like, canceled because of COVID. Not a Wizards game. Like Wednesday got canceled. Yeah. I mean, not, not, not much you can do there, uh, you know, with, you know, with the current situation regarding COVID. But, you know, assuming they don't suspend the season again like they did last year, I think we'll have. I think we'll get a better sense of where how the Wizards are as a team. You know, in about the next ten or fifteen games. What were you saying, Chris? Sorry, cut you off. I mean, if they were if they drop to like nine and twenty or something like that, nine and thirty, then yeah, I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah. then oh yeah, then at that point it's a bust. But yeah, uh, but current. If they, if they turn this around. I mean, obviously you keep them. And I mean, they did just beat the Suns, who again second in the West. So that whether that whether that whether you call that a fluke win or not, it's still something to take note of. So very excited for the Wizards, uh, and uh, hope to see them play better in the next upcoming games. But uh, we should now talk about a another sport that is back officially today: hockey. Yes, sir. The NHL season has kicked off today, and the Capitals open up tomorrow uh, with their opening game of the season against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, but yeah, let's. Why don't we go ahead and preview that game and talk about what we expect out of the Caps this season? So, just a kind of quick rundown: we have a new coach in Peter Laviolette. We have uh, new signings and the in guys like you know Chara and guys like uh, uh, guys like. Heinrich Lundqvist, who unfortunately cannot join us due to a heart in, heart heart uh, condition, um, but <laughs> he cannot join us. That sounds like he died. He well, he, he, <laughs> he cannot, unfortunately could not be here. He could he he cannot join the team in playing games due to a heart condition. So unfortunate, but you know it is it is what it is. But. Uh, you know, but let's go ahead and talk about uh, talk about the Caps, uh, particularly talking about their defensive lineup, considering some of their signings. Um, Chris, start with you. What do you think about the Caps' defense, uh, and how do you expect them to fare tomorrow against uh, Buffalo? I mean, I think they definitely beat Buffalo. Buffalo is definitely the worst team. It shouldn't be a question at all whether or not they can get back past the Sabres. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the, like the. The offense of the Capitals is just way too good for the the Sabers. The Sabers are still kind of in a rebuilding phase. Um, they've kind of gotten unlucky in the draft the last couple of years with the lottery. So, not much, not much, much else to say about versus the 
the Sabres. It will be interesting to see uh, the team's first game, if the defense can gel um, with all these new pieces coming into play. That's going to be the big story, but it is going to be nice to kind of have a softball team as the first game of the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Some of the new defensive pieces, you know, you got Paul Ledoux, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, uh, Justin Schultz, and, you know, obviously Chara is going to be an important part of the defense. And, you know, we'll have uh, Dylan and John Carlson hopefully manning down the first team on defense. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how uh, Sam Sonov looks in his first game back in a while. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him play well. And I'd like to see Ovechkin keep chasing uh, the great one's record for goals. You know, I want to see him put up another 50 this year. I really do. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But I'd like to see OV come out hot. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of pressure on Vrana to perform just because of, like, how he ended off uh, last season in the playoffs. Uh, he kind of has to, like, this will be that softball team to really get up there and, like, try and get warmed up better. Then <laughs> I, I just want to see Vrana play better, man. It, it was not exciting to watch him last season. Well, he was good last year. He was good up until the playoffs. Until the playoffs and the playoffs, he just ugh. two years in a row he's not shown up in the playoffs, which is a concern. Who's that? Verona. Verona. Yeah, he sucks. But he had a really good. Trying to be over here, and then Chris is just like, "Well, I mean, he's he's he is one of my least favorite team or players on the Capitals. I guess he just he doesn't do enough." the team essentially to be a top six guy just we'll leave it at that for him i don't okay. think i agree with that he put up 50 point he put up over 50 points last year he had a good regular season and he's keeping he good going. enough for the team is what i'm saying like he scores and whatnot but i think it's just his age and his nerves is getting to him how Maybe, long I mean, he's, still he's, that excuse? he's been in the league for three years now four years or uh, three, three full years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm more excited about a, uh, another player that's coming up to the pipeline. We're talking a little bit. But I do want to mention Paul Ledoux is, is with the Hershey Bears, not the Capitals. Is he really? Uh, yeah, he won't be. He's not even close, dude. He's not even above Fehavari. Fehavari. Oh. Breaking news, if we have that sound effect, I wonder where that is. The Wizards, another Wizards game got postponed. Oh, yeah. Yep. Postponed due to COVID. Woo. game has been postponed because they could not field eight players for the game. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. uh, (laughs) That's why you get coaches to play on the field. (laughs) (laughs) You just need Scott Brooks pulls a Jackie Moon. Uh, Anyway. pay someone to foul Scott Brooks. Just give him an elbow in the face. Jesus. All right, anyway, uh, back to hockey. A uh, couple of things. So the Athletic interviewed NHL general managers and coaches and did like a aggregated rank of goalies. Samsonov was ranked 17th out of 31. Um, some of the pros surrounding him, he's young. He's gotten significant experience. Um, Wait, and he's young, a pro? I guess I don't know. Like young and ranked seventeenth is well, good. being well, being I, I guess I guess making significant progress for his age is okay. is, is a pro. 
And also, uh, he's also he's really good in penalty kills. Yeah, I mean, I'd say ranking him at 17 out of 31 is pretty good for a guy who wasn't a starter last year. Personally. I thought it was higher than expected. I was like, wow, yeah, he got I 17? I agree. Uh, I mean, not to say that like he won't pass that this season, but to preseason rank him as 17 out of 31, I'd say that's a pretty solid uh, start for him. Yeah, the article... Um, was talking I, about I, tiers, and he was the top of the tier three. Like they were like expecting him to make that jump to tier two or even tier one. Yeah, I tentatively hope. Yeah, as you kind of said, that he makes that jump to. Yeah, I, I would say he's a tier three guy. I, I hope he jumps to tier two, maybe even a tier one. But that's asking a lot. I, I'd hope that he makes it to a tier two uh, this season, and then he gets up to tier one. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Next season. Um. I love it. That's that's pretty much best case scenario, I'd say, right there. Like he gets to he maybe he cracks the top ten uh this season and then is like top five the next season. But obviously again, that's best case scenario. I'll be happy with a top ten goalie any day of the week. Um yeah. All right. Well, a couple of things. I guess another question, uh, is Chara roadblocking for Havarian Sigs? I mean, if, yeah, <laughs> the fact yeah. of the matter is he is uh, Varun, but um, it's kind of like an unfortunate scenario. Char is not going to play that many games. I think we all know that. Like, he's going to have to take breaks. Will, will, will he get into more fights than games played? <laughs> Probably not. Um, what an amazing now, stat. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Char has played 10 games this season, but has gotten to 36 fights. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fighting three or four times a game. Why is this happening? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, him and Tom Wilson are just taking turns getting in fights. <laughs> hold me back! Hold me back, bro! <laughs> and then just air horns going off in the distance. <laughs> we do. Like, Oshi just blasted the air horns as they're fighting everybody that they come across. <laughs> In empty stadiums because of COVID still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having him there is going to roadblock Farabari and, and Siegenthaler a little bit. Uh, they'll get their chance, and bringing him in is more of, a, I'd say, a locker room thing than anything else because he is extremely competitive and does have that winning uh, intangible, I guess you could say. Um. The interesting thing is, though, that both Chara and Farabari are both from Slovakia. Um, so I think that Chara will be able to teach Fahivari a lot about the game, and it will make him a lot better this season because of it. Oh, just because they have the they have the commonality there? They have that nationality, yeah. yeah language probably, yeah. barrier. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, there's no, there's no language barrier there, then. Um, the language barrier is not the problem. It's more of like... Fehavari has been watching Chara his entire life, and they've got kind of that camaraderie already. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see what you mean. Country. Like, I, I think Fehavari's English is pretty solid now. Same with uh, Samsonov, in fact. Um, oh, well, that's, well, that's really good to hear. Obviously, yeah, it's always easier to communicate when you're both speaking your native language. For sure. Um, Chara's English is pretty solid at this point since he's spent, you know, what, 20 seasons here? Yeah. Um, okay, well, quickly want to... Uh, just talk about again. Want to continue to preview uh, this upcoming season for the Caps? Just want to talk about mainly uh, what do the Caps need to work on? 
what do they need to continue to excel at, and uh, how do you expect Laviolette to, uh, to to coach this team? Uh, I hope he I hope he brings some more fire. I really do because this it's it's the missing piece that we had when Trotz left. Um, I don't think Rudin had that fire, that passion. I don't think the guys were lining up to, you know, play for him and they just weren't ready to run through the brick, the brick wall, you know? So I think Todd Reardon's a very smart coach. Uh, he was good at drawing up plays and that made him a really good assistant, but I just don't think he had the, the right leadership quality to be the head coach. And I really hope that's something that Lavalette, uh, brings to the team this year um, because, you know, you do have a lot of vets on the team, but, you know, there are a decent amount of young guys, too, that really need to kick in the pants. Uh, Vrana included. <laughs> yeah, Vrana and Kuzi. a lot of those younger defensive guys and Kuzi. Kuzi Netsov's and the goalies. guy that they need to – like, he could be a superstar Um center for them and if they have Ovechkin and Kuznetsov together I mean that's insane I mean Kuznetsov was basically playing superstar level in the playoff run in the cup run when they won the he, yeah so yeah. when he shaved his head bringing Laviolette in they're trying to channel that more often when Kuznetsov is locked in he's one of the best uh best centers in the league I'd say when he's not locked yeah. in he's he's mediocre at best he was full full blown locked in all four rounds of the playoffs yeah. were in the cup. And he, he outscored Ovechkin. I mean, he probably could have been the Conn Smythe winner. He, um, was, he was insane. That that like He was one of the biggest, if not the biggest reasons that they won that Stanley Cup that year. Yeah, he was a yeah. huge reason. When he's locked in, too, you can just see him fly on the yeah. ice. Like, he's like the fastest one on the rink. But yeah, hopefully uh, Laviolette can get the best out of them and maybe something out of Rana. Um, and yeah, how do you, what do you think about what he can get out of the vets? Like, do you think he'll be able to like speak to Char about any, like, I, I don't really know what he can get more out of Ovi that Ovi hasn't provided already. Ovi will be Ovi no matter who's coaching him. I think, I think, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, sorry. I, um, who I think that the 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 problem isn't the vets. Like those guys are going to perform, and they they performed to an extent during the playoffs last year. It's the young guys, like like we kind of touched Kuznetsov, Verona, um, and the rest that yeah, um, all those going to a little bit of an extent. He's a little bit older, but you know, um. Panic needs to step up. That's without a doubt. He was terrible last year. Um, so that's that's really the guys that if they want to make another run, those are the guys that are going to need to step up. It, and as you kind of said, they they've already they already know what exactly what they're going to get out of you know Ov Backstrom, um, Chara, Dylan, and Carlson. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree but, with all but, that. Uh, the the real problem with them that they've kind of got to mitigate i'd say is holding off from the decline that i mean we're gonna see eventually so having that decline not just be like a drop off a cliff cliff but like a steady decline instead what do you mean Obi's gonna play forever 
That's right. I, ex- I expect to see 55-year-old Alexander Ovechkin on the Caps starting yeah, lineup. Him, um, him, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees are all still going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're all going to be, you know, slinging the ball and breaking every every fucking record there is out there. <laughs> I do want to be- bring one guy up since we're kind of um, pushing time with the, the depth pieces that the Capitals are starting to get. And they're starting to kind of like reload since similar to another DC team, their depth is not great in the farm system. <clears throat> Nationalists, but uh, who will get Connor to? Oh, I thought you were talking about DC uh, United. <laughs> Connor McMichael was ridiculous um, in the World Juniors. Apparently, or like he wasn't ridiculous, but he was extremely good and apparently made a lot of strides. Do you think this pushes out? You know, one of those Verona, Oshi, um, or the others eventually in a trade to try and create some space for Connor McMichael. You think they just wait for the expansion draft? Maybe. I still think Verona has got a future here. Uh, I really do. I don't think Oshi has much of a future, only because of the expansion draft, which makes me sad because I love Oshi. Um, and I think he's a better player than Verona right now, but I think Verona still has untapped potential that we're going to probably see this year. I, I, I'm going to, I'd put a bet on Verona having a really good year. So I think, I think McMichael is going to be somebody that probably fills in for Oshi in the near future after the expansion draft. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make a run like every team is, you don't trade Oshi no matter if the expansion draft is well, on your doorstep. Connor McMichael is that good that like, he, he can slot in for Oshi. I think you have to consider um, trying to grab a better defenseman because the defense is still not like all that great. So if you try and trade away... Oshi for like an elite level defenseman, I think I'd be okay with that if Connor McMichael continues to improve in the AHL. Isn't there isn't there a rumor that Oshi's going to the Kraken? Or yeah, like the Kraken are interested in him? I mean he's from, yeah, that's that he's probably like that's the most likely I'd say, unless the caps protect him. Um, which I don't see them doing since he is older and they've got other pieces they probably want to con- protect, such as Verona. Um, and unless Kuznetsov really takes a turn for the worse and just is terrible this year, they're going to protect. And I mean, we can get to that into that closer to the actual expansion draft. But Oshie's, you know, he's from Washington. He's got that leadership capability. The team would probably use him as their first captain, I would imagine. Um, makes, and makes sense. The entire community can, you know, have a connection with him because he is from that state. That is very true, hometown guy. Uh, well, we do wish the Capitals best of luck as they take on the Sabres tomorrow night and kick off their NHL season, and we hope for the best uh, going into this upcoming season. All right, finish things off, talk about baseball real quick. Uh, we Baseball is still a few months away, unfortunately, but we do have news. The Nats did make an acquisition, uh, another offseason acquisition, they acquired Kyle Schwarber, signed into a one-year, $10 million deal, first reported by ESPN. Um, definitely takes care of uh, the left field situation um, going on there, and also it protects Soto in the batting lineup. 
What are your all thoughts on that? Chris, start with you. Well, any any bat is quote unquote protecting Juan Soto, I guess. Fair enough, but you know, Schwarber's at it. Schwarber's a more significant protection, I'd say, than others. I mean, Josh Bell is the definition of yeah. that. Um, yeah, Schwarber hopefully will help with that a little bit, but it's another lefty bat as their starter. I don't know, man. Initially, I was okay with this sign or this, yeah, this signing. Now thinking about it a little more, they have to get somebody else, preferably a right-handed bat, to fill in, and that scares me because I think they're going to go and try and trade for Chris Bryant, which I do not, not want. I do not want him at all. Nick. I think. Sorry, like, intercepting Nick. No, nah, oh, you got it. You got it. I thought it it was kind of surprising. Like I I heard about the one year deal and I didn't really read the contract details, but ten year. 10 million year or the 10 million dollars for a one-year deal like i thought that was a little high what do you think chris like was that I fair definitely think it's a little high i mean they're paying 10 million he's going to be the starter most likely unless they trade for somebody else i guess or sign somebody else which would be kind of odd the only thing i could think of for that is if they have quite kyle schwarber like fill in randomly and kind of have be a utility guy in the outfield and, and at first but I doubt that for that much money. Nick, what are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber? Um, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he's obviously coming off kind of a rough season, but before that he was a pretty consistently good home run hitter. Um, he's a home run hitter. And he's, he's a, a home he's run a hitter. Three, he's a, what we like to call in baseball, pretty much a three scenario hitter. Uh, strikeout home run walk that's all yeah he doesn't do anything else Um, yeah which is not remember adam dunn pretty much the same story yeah it's it's not typically it doesn't remind me of recent nationals history you know we didn't win the world series with guys like that we won the world series by smart walks and base hits and good defense and pitching um so the, I don't know. It's a little different than what we've normally done. So we'll see. It's a one-year deal, so it's not like it's that much of a commitment. Um, I mean, and he's he good. In his, he's good at what he does. So he's okay at what he does. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's, he's kind of a replacement for Matt Adams a little bit. Hmm. Um, he's a little better than Matt Adams, probably. He's kind of a replacement for Eric Thames. He's that guy that. Can hit the ball a long way, but doesn't do much of else, anything else. And he doesn't do it as often as I'd like him to. And that means we're sliding Juan Soto over to right field, which that's going to be an adventure in itself. Do you think there'll be any concerns with that? I don't think so, but it's still like something to think about in the back of your mind. Like I, Juan Soto has made him enough strides forward. The outfielder I'm actually more concerned about this season is Victor Robles. Because he took a step back with his defensive ability last year, and he definitely took a step back with his stick. Y'all were watching videos and seeing if he gained weight. <laughs> he did, dude. I swear. But, and <laughs> he it, looks big. He did take. He did play in the winter league. Um. So hopefully that helped him out, and hopefully he'll be back this season with the team for a, a better season. One. Kind of last question I probably shouldn't ask because it'll take a while, but 
with the Nats winning the World Series, did we see that kind of effect go to free agent signings? Like, were people trying to sign to get another chance uh, of a championship, or was that just not there? Probably it was just- not. Well, maybe for Starling Castro, but that's more the Davey Martinez effect, I'd say. Um, but probably not simply because the team wasn't at the top of the league. And even after they won it, wasn't one of the favorites to win it the next year. So usually when players try to go to teams that are on the doorstep of winning it, they go to the teams that were at the top of their division the previous season, such as Henry Glenquist with the Caps and Char with the Caps. And with that, we will wrap things up. Thank you guys for listening to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varuna Ben, your host and moderator. Joined, as always, by three of my good friends, the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll have links to those social media profiles in the description of the episode. Until then, keep supporting DC Sports. We hope to see you all next week.